As we get into this word, I had the opportunity of speaking to someone uh, who has been a guest here, um, and it was a very intriguing conversation, and I was asked the question, and the question was, um, I'm not quite sure about returning to your church. Uh, I was a little taken back and thrown off by speaking in tongues. And I said, well, why is that? I said, well, my pastor said that whenever someone speaks in tongues, there must be an interpretation. And I heard speaking in tongues, but there was no interpretation. Again, this is a call, not face-to-face. And I really appreciated the fact that an individual would open up and ask that question because it is a very good question. And I would rather someone ask a question instead of run or not even inquire of it. We have many people that sit in the seats, including some of you here today, that I would encourage you to ask a question instead of allowing yourself to just wonder on it because wonder is a very dangerous ground for the enemy. Because the scripture says that my God, your God, is not the author of confusion. Uh, so I said, well, that is very interesting. So follow me in your Bibles to the book of first Corinthians. And of course we understand that if you go to first Corinthians and starting at verse number or chapter 12, starting at verse number one, first Corinthians chapter 12, verse number one. Now, Paul is the writer here to the Corinthian church. Now, it's important to understand that I just introduced this letter as a letter to the church. It is not a letter to the world, but it is a letter to the church. Why is that important? It is important because Paul is already writing to people that have been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, and striving to live a life pleasing to the Lord. Now, how do I know that? I don't have the time to dive into that, but if you would follow me in the book of Acts, if you was just to go read Acts chapter 15, 16, verse number 1, Acts 17, verse number 1, Acts 18, verse number 1, Acts 19, verse number 1, you will see where Paul would enter into each city. He would go into their synagogues, begin to debate with them, and he would remain there until he had believers. And so Paul would go around establishing churches. And then once he established the church, he would put a pastor in that church, some elders in that church, and then he would write letters back to that church. And so Corinthians is one of those letters that Paul would write to the church. And he opens up the statement by saying, now concerning spiritual gifts. So the very opening statement lets you know that Paul is dealing with gifts of the Spirit. And in order for anyone to operate in a gift, no matter what it is, you must possess 
the gift, the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you do not possess the gift of the Holy Ghost, you cannot operate in a spiritual gift. Do not confuse gifts with talents and a calling of God. I can have a talent on my life that is not a spiritual gift. And so Paul says, now concerning spiritual gift, I don't want you to be ignorant. Because you know that you were Gentiles carried away with these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I want to give you now understanding that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Ghost. You must have the Holy Ghost in order to have great and clear revelation. And so it is the Holy Ghost that is the great revelator. And I mentioned that on Sunday in my preaching on Sunday morning, my revelation comes by the Holy Ghost. And so when we pray, when you read the scripture, you must, before you say or read one word, you must say, Lord, give me revelation. And if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you should pray, Lord, give me the Holy Ghost so that I can have greater revelation. And so here he's speaking here and he's dealing with spiritual gifts. Drop down to verse number eight. He says, for to one is given by the spirit. Notice it's by the spirit is given by the spirit, the word of wisdom. Another, the word of knowledge. By the same spirit to another, faith. By the same spirit to another, the gift of healing. By the same spirit to another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. And so he gives all these different gifts of the spirit, but they are all by the spirit. And so it is important for us to understand this. Now let's drop down to verse number 27. 27, he says, now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversity of tongues are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. So Paul here is giving us understanding as we skim through chapter number 12 that he's dealing with spiritual gifts that come by the spirit. And so it is important to understand that this particular pastor was telling an individual that there are not to be tongues unless they're an interpretation of that tongue. The only issue is, is that that particular pastor was incorrect saying that is the only time tongues is to be said or used or heard. This is, this is a particular moment when God is using someone in the gift of of the tongue but tongues are to be used in every excuse me in different ways as well notice here that the scripture lets us know that 
as Paul finishes chapter 12, he goes into chapter number 13, what we call, but Paul is just simply writing a letter. I want to remind everyone that when Paul wrote or any book of the Bible, it is written as a letter. It is not broken up in a chapter and verses. Man has broken it up in a chapter and verses. So Paul is just simply writing a letter to the church. And so he's not saying, let me stop here and begin here. He's just continuing on as he writes this letter. So he continues on as he begins to, to write here and he begins to dive into the importance of love. He talks about how it's important to love one another. And so as he's talking about it, let's go to chapter 13, verse number 13. He says, now abideth and now abideth faith, hope, charity these three but the greatest of these is what charity it's important to be able to love he picks it right back up and says follow after love follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts but rather that you may prophesy for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto man but unto God so now if you understand and if you were to read chapter number 12 and if you can continue to read chapter number 13, continue to read chapter number 14, you would even better understand that Paul is not speaking against speaking in tongues, saying that you need an interpreter, but he's letting us know that tongues is for the edification of oneself. Tongues is for the edification of oneself. That when you are speaking in tongues, you're not edifying anyone else but yourself unto God. You can be used in the gift of a tongue. And when you're used in a gift of the tongue, then God is going to have an interpreter that interprets that tongue. That is one aspect of tongues. But then there's another aspect that is here in chapter number 14. That speaketh in an unknown tongue, speaketh not unto man, but unto God. Why? For no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesies speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth who? himself and so he's saying that I want you to speak in tongues a matter of fact if we continue to read Paul even says I speak in tongues more than you all so he's not speaking of not speaking in tongues in the church he's saying that when you hear speaking in tongues in the church it is to edify oneself you are just edifying yourself unto God but when God is moving on an individual to be used in the gift that comes along with the Holy Ghost, then there is going to be an interpretation of that tongue. Why? Because when I speak in tongues, you don't understand what I'm saying. I'm communicating with God. But if God wanted you to understand what I was saying, then God's going to give somebody else who has the gift of interpretation to interpret what I just said in tongues. So why do we allow speaking in tongues in the church then? Because Paul is saying that he would rather you prophesy in the church than to speak with tongues in the church. But Paul is not saying that he would rather you speak in tongues or prophesy from the platform or when you have a microphone or when you are communicating with someone. He is letting us know that it is better for you to speak 
the language that people can understand so that there can be understanding from the people. What good is it if we had 35 guests walk in here today and every one of us for one hour begin to speak with tongues? The guests would not understand what was going on and they would not be edified, but you and I would be edified. It is better for you and I to be able to communicate to them to help them to understand the expectations that God has for us. But when you are speaking in tongues, you should not be ashamed, neither afraid, because you are edifying yourself. Amen. That's why the book of Jude, don't go there, just stay with me right here in Corinthians. Jude chapter 1, there's only one chapter, verse number 20. Jude, Jude agrees with what Paul is saying. Jude 1 and 20, write it down in your notes, because the scripture says, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So then there is another text that lets you know that when you begin to speak in tongues, you are building up your most holy faith. And when you are speaking in tongues, you are praying, believe it or not. You didn't know that. You don't want to know why you're praying because prayer is communication. Prayer is communication. So when you are speaking in tongues, you are communicating to your God. And, be, and when you're speaking in tongues, you are building up your most holy faith. Oftentimes, this church, you will hear me say, I want you to pray until you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. And I'm, I'm urging you and encouraging you to pray in the Holy Ghost that you just begin to pray until you hear yourself begin to speak in tongues. And it is important to pray and pray in Titus chapter 3, verse number 5, said that we should be renewed in the Holy Ghost. That we are renewed in the Holy Ghost. And so it renew us or it strengthens us. And we know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. I have never come across anybody that begin to speak in tongues and God begin to deal with them. And then they come out of the tongue with a frown on their face saying, man, I wish that never would have happened. It hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. You always feel renewed. Amen? And, 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 and so it's important for you and I to understand here today that when tongues are spoken in the church, there is a time when God wants to give the interpretation of that tongue. How do you know when that time is? You will know because we will feel it in the spirit. Why? Because God is not the author of confusion. And so we will feel it. We will know it in the spirit. I want to teach good here tonight for the next 15 minutes because I'm telling you the gifts of the spirit are going to be an operation in this church like we've never seen before in a very long time. I believe this church has a rich history of the spirit of God moving in a great manner. Well, God hasn't stopped being God. He hasn't stopped being powerful. So I believe we're going to see things begin to happen, healing and miracles, signs and wonders, tongues, interpretation of that tongue, because we have the infilling of the spirit. And so now we just need to understand how to apply it and operate in it. And so now we need to understand that as I'm dealing with this individual and dealing, dealing with different people, I am free to say that your pastor did not give you clear understanding. He lied to you, my friend, uh, because he didn't tell you that there's other areas in the Bible where it speaks of tongues and it talks about no interpretation of that tongue. 
In the book of Jude, it says building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. It didn't say interpret what you just prayed. Because you are edifying yourself. And so tongues are used to edify oneself. Tongues can be used for the interpretation because God wants to speak a specific word to people. And tongues are also used for the validation that the spirit is there. That's what tongues is used for. It is an unruly member that we must yield ourselves over to the Lord. And that's what tongues is for. And so now that we, that we, we, we have that and, and we see that uh, and how Paul deals with that in, in, in such a manner uh, and how we are to speak with tongues and have the understanding that tongues is very important and that it is throughout scripture. Follow me now to Acts chapter number two. Did I help someone right there? Amen. Amen. Does everyone understand? All right. Everyone understand. Good. Acts chapter number two, the scripture says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews devout men out of every nation under heaven now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together. Notice the scripture does not tell us how long they were speaking in tongues, how long they were worshiping God, but it had to be long enough that the multitude came together. That's how long they had to be worshiping Lord. So this wasn't no 10 minute prayer meeting. This wasn't no 15 minute, I'm tired, it's time to go home. Because when you experience something that you've never experienced before, a greater power than you, you don't even want to go home. You want to stay in the presence of an almighty God. So they were praying long enough that a great multitude had to come together. And so it says here, great multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, behold, are not all these Galileans? And now here we, every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born. Can someone count here? Let's see how many nations were gathered here at this particular spot. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia in Pontus and Asia, Phygera and Pamphylia, or Pamphylia in Egypt and in the parts of Libya 
about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes. Jews and proselytes should count as one. Proselytes are just people that have been converted to Judaism. Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. How many nations was that? Someone got 17. Somebody got 16. Is there another? Can we get 18? Can we get 18, 19, 20, 21, 21? 17, 16. How many you got? Brother Mike, did you count? You're our math man. You got 16. We'll go with 16 then out of the mouth of two. Do we have three that say 16? Let everything be established. We have multiple nations here that are hearing their own language and they are speaking in tongues as, uh, excuse me, the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt saying one to another, what meaneth this? I'm a pause right there. It is important because there are religions. Uh, Mormons is one of those religions. There are other religions that will teach you that when they begin to speak in tongues here, it was it, this is not for you and I it is not for us to speak in tongues it was only for the Jews on the day of Pentecost because they were speaking in the language so that the people can understand the gospel of Jesus Christ that is what they will say they will teach you that and say they're only speaking in another language so that all those people can now understand what was said so that they can go back to their hometown and now share the gospel of Jesus Christ that is false that is a lie that is not true that is not true at all and the Bible clearly explains that okay it clearly says that and so now the scripture lets us know that Others were mocking, saying, these men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. So this very scripture alone lets you know that now Peter is about to tell them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now he's about to preach unto them. Now he's about to share unto them exactly what is going on and taking place right here. And so the scripture lets us know, for these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing is about the third hour of the day. It's nine o'clock in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Job. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of someone say my spirit. It is important. Everything that I'm reading here, I'm going to highlight things that I want you to, to take note of or highlight or underline because I'm going to point out the oneness of God all throughout Peter's message. He says my spirit. He didn't say he was going to send the spirit. It's not a third person in the Godhead, but the spirit comes from God Almighty. He says, I'm going to pour out of my spirit, notice that, upon all flesh. And when I do that, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids will I pour out in those days whose spirit? My spirit. And they shall prophesy and I will show wonders in heaven above and in signs in the earth uh, beneath blood and fire and vapor and smoke the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day 
of the Lord come and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved but he didn't stop there he says ye men of Israel hear these words Jesus of Nazareth a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you as you yourselves also know the scripture that Peter is preaching here it validates the fact when he says God did it by Jesus Christ or through Jesus Christ remember Jesus Christ himself said these words I can do nothing of myself Peter lets excuse me Jesus validates and uh, confirms that he is flesh the man, Christ Jesus. But yet what was on the inside of that flesh was God Almighty. And so everywhere that Jesus went, he said, I'm a reflection of God. Everything that I do is a reflection of God. Nothing that I do is of my own good. That's why he told the rich young man, there is none good but God because what's in me is good and greatly to be praised. And so he begins to say here all these things, verse number 23, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and for knowledge of God, you have taken him and by wicked hands have crucified and slain him. Now, you need to underline this in your Bible. It says the foreknowledge of God. God knew his purpose. When Jesus Christ came, he understood his purpose. There was a foreknowledge. He knew that he came to be slain before the foundation of the world. He came to be slain for our sins. There was a foreknowledge. And so he understood that. He knew that. The foreknowledge of God you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Whom God have raised up having loosed uh, the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. Remember, Jesus said, no man can take my life. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to raise it up again. For David, look at this now, verse number 25. For David speaketh concerning him. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand. In other words, he is in the place of power in my life. He has authority in my life that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope because thou will not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. He says, thou has made known to me the ways of life. Thou shall make me full of joy with thy countenance. Now, Peter begins to go on and say, men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and he's buried. His sepulcher is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on whose throne? Whose throne? God's throne that he raised up Christ to sit on God's throne you need to understand this that there's only one throne in heaven 
The scripture lets us know that there's only one throne in heaven. The book of Isaiah lets us know that God gives his glory to no one. There's no one deserving to sit on the one throne in heaven unless it's the image of the invisible God. And so Peter is letting them know that this Jesus, whom you crucified, he's the one that is sitting on the one throne in heaven. There is oneness all through the message that Peter is preaching here. He's letting them know that there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's one God who's father of all, above all, through all, and in you all. You need to understand that God was above all in creation. He was through all by through Jesus Christ. He is in you all by the Holy Ghost. It's just one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. There's one God. He's above all in creation. He's through all. He did that with Jesus Christ. And he's in you all, the gift of the Holy Ghost. But it's just one God. And Peter is trying to let them know that that Christ sits now on the throne. He sits on the throne. Now, that is important to understand because now as you read the next few verses, it's going to give you clarity every time the Bible uses scripture referring to the right hand of God. Listen now, he's seen this before. David seen this. God showed him this. He's seen this before. Spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. We have seen him. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted. See, now you can better understand that there are not two thrones in heaven, that God is not standing by his own throne and Jesus sitting in the throne or that God is not sitting in one throne and Jesus on the throne. No, God said, no, you have my throne. Why? Because you are my image. So when you see the right hand, now you understand that the right hand is the seat of power. Now you can better understand that right hand means sitting in the seat of power or authority. How is Jesus sitting in the seat of power and authority? We just read it. He's sitting on the throne. And so having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, which you now see and hear. Look at this now. For David is not ascended into heaven. He, he's not up there. He's not ascended up into heaven. Amen. For when the Lord shall appear, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we that are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. He says, David is not in heaven. But he saith himself, the Lord said unto my Lord. The Lord said unto my Lord. Now, it looks here as if there's two different lords. But the scripture says there's one Lord. He says, the Lord said unto my Lord. Well, if there's only one Lord, what is the scripture saying? The Lord, spirit. My Lord, flesh. The Lord, the mighty God. My Lord, Jesus Christ. The Lord was inside of my Lord. There would be no my Lord if there wasn't for a the Lord. The only way there was a my Lord is because there was a the Lord. And the Lord came in the flesh as my Lord. 
The Lord's spirit said unto my Lord. What did he say to him? Sit thou on my right hand. And now you understand that the Lord's spirit, God Almighty, said unto my Lord, the flesh, the man Christ Jesus, you have overcame death. Now all power in heaven and earth belongs to you. Come, sit on the throne because you have overcome the world. But Jesus, give, but God gives his, his, his glory to nobody because he can give his glory to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is him in the flesh. So the Lord, David seen this for himself. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand until I make thy, thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the hit house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now you can better see how Jesus is Lord and Christ. Give me Psalms 100 verse number three, please, and go grab that microphone. I want you to read it. Lord and Christ. How? Because my Lord said unto thee, Lord, spirit to flesh. And that same Jesus Christ, he is now Lord because there's only one Lord and he is Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the Redeemer. He's both. And so Peter gives them this understanding and it is important for you and I to see this because when you believe or taught in a Trinitarian mindset, saying that there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, my question to you is, who is your Lord? Is Lord Father? Is Lord Son? Is Lord Holy Ghost? Because there's only one Lord. So you have to make a decision who your Lord is going to be. That's why Trinitarians pray to three different personalities if they want to be led by the spirit they pray to the spirit if they want forgiveness they pray to the son if they want something else they pray to the father there's all these different prayers that they pray and they try to categorize it but when you understand that the scripture says that Jesus whom you crucified is both Lord and Christ you can just pray to one and the bible validates in psalms chapter number 100 verse number three what does it say brother mike know ye that the lord he is god paul's right there know ye that the lord he is what the Lord is God. So anytime you refer to the Lord, you got to be referring to God. So you cannot say that the Lord is God, the Son, Jesus Christ. No, my friend, the Lord is God. And the reason why we can refer to Jesus Christ as the Lord is because Jesus is the image of that one Lord. Amen. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. And what does it say? It is he that hath made Hold us. Hold on, it is he that has made us. You know, in the beginning, many Trinitarians say, let us make man in our image, as if there were multiple people that was in creation. But the Bible says, who made us? Come on, brother Mike, you got to stay with me, brother. You're messing up my Bible class. Who made us? He made us. God made us. It is he that made us and not we ourselves. What does it continue to say? We are his people. His people. 
and the sheep of his pasture. Of his pasture. There's only one God that runs all things. And that one God, his name is Jesus Christ. And see, when you have that revelation and you begin to see that and know that, the Bible then says, when they heard this. You see that? It's in, it's in, your, it's in your Bible. You see that? When they heard this. When they heard that my Lord was the Lord. When they heard that the Lord was my Lord. When they heard that the one that they hung on the cross was the Lord. See, Saul had that understanding that the Lord, he is God. Saul had that. That's why when he was knocked off his horse, what came out of his mouth was, who art thou, Lord? Because he knew the Lord was God. And that's why the Lord said, I'm Jesus. That's who you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. I am the one that you're doing this to. I'm Jesus. He had revelation right then that Jesus is both Lord and Christ. When they had that, when they heard this, they said, men and brethren, what do we need to do? When you have that understanding, then that's when Peter said unto them, repent, 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 repent. The same exact words that Jesus said. He said, repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. He said, repent and be baptized. Here's the gospel. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And he says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He said, for this promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as our Lord God shall call. What I love is, is that Peter is validating what has already happened just a few moments earlier. Because remember, the question is, what meaneth this? Because they were speaking in tongues. They weren't speaking in tongues to give them understanding of the gospel. Peter just gave them the gospel. And when they heard the gospel, that's when they were pricked to their heart. Because if they were speaking in tongues in the gospel, they would have been pricked to their hearts then. But they weren't pricked to their hearts when they were speaking in tongues. Some of them thought they were just drunk. But once they heard the gospel, they were pricked to their heart. And they said, well, what do we need to do? Because we need to change. And Peter said, this is what you need to do right here. You got to repent and believe the gospel. Obey the gospel. You got to repent. And now I'm going to give you the gospel. Be born again of water and of the spirit. Because speaking in tongues goes beyond just the gift of tongues. Uh, can I bring this home now? You can have the gift of tongues and someone here can have the gift of the interpretation of that tongue, but that's just part of it. So don't be fooled. Those watching here tonight and those that's going to be watching here in the near future, don't be fooled. I don't care what pastor, what preacher, what person is telling you that when you speak in tongues, it's only for the interpretation of the tongue. No, my friend, that's just a part of the gifts that come with the gift. But when you speak in tongues, you are building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. 
When you speak in tongues, it is validation that the spirit is there. It is confirmation that the Holy Ghost is there. How do you know that? Because everywhere you read, you go home and read it. I want you to go home and read Acts 2, what we just read. Read it again. Then I want you to flip over to Acts chapter number 8. Read it. I want you to go and flip to Acts chapter number 10. Read it. Then I want you to go flip to Acts chapter number 19. Every single place where the Holy Ghost was given, they said they spoke with tongues. You don't see anywhere where it says now they got to interpret what they just said. It was validation that the Holy Ghost was there. I'm telling you, you need to understand that the Holy Ghost is real. Speaking in tongues is real. It's not of the devil. It's of God. The Bible says they speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. It's of God. And you're looking and you're listening to a preacher and you're surrounded by a group of people here that I'm telling you, we believe in the things of God. We believe in the ways of God and we believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit that comes from God. It's not somebody else, not some third person in the Godhead, but it is God himself that comes and fills our heart, fills our spirit. And we begin to speak in another tongue as the spirit of God gives us the utterance. Because the scripture says, the Bible says that it's a promise and that promise is for you. So don't let that promise pass you by because you've been taught some false religion. You need to understand that we must understand the scripture and the word of God. And God is trying to get somebody's attention here today that you need to fall on your face and say, Lord, if the Holy Ghost is real, give it to me. And I promise you, if you have that desire, the Holy Ghost will come into your life and you will begin to speak in another tongue. Hallelujah. Well, how do you know, preacher, that when Peter said the promise is unto you, Peter was referring to what Jesus already told him. Go with me to Acts chapter number one. Acts chapter number one, flip that Bible over. Acts chapter number one, starting at verse number four. The scripture says, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the father saith he you have heard of me for john truly baptized with water but you shall be baptized with the holy ghost not many days hence i want to tell somebody somebody's about to be filled with the holy ghost somebody's about to be filled with the holy ghost somebody's about to be filled with the holy ghost because the promise is for you it is for your children and it's for every one of us that believe and trust in the lord i believe that and all you got to do is believe him as the scripture said. Because the Bible says, he that believeth on me as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He spake he of the Holy Ghost, which was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. I've got good news for you. Jesus has been glorified. Jesus has risen from the dead. Now the Holy Ghost is available for every man, woman, boy, and girl. Let's put our Bibles to the side. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. Lift up the name of Jesus Christ.
Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So, saints, walk in boldness. Knowing that you have the truth on the inside of you. I said it's on the inside of you. Truth is on the inside of you. Amen. Pray that God will help you to rightly divide the word. You don't have to coward or bag down from anybody to ask you a question about the Holy Ghost. There should be an interpretation. You can go right to scripture and say, let me show you what the Bible says. Not what your pastor says. Let me show you what the scripture says. Give you greater understanding of it. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.